This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Welcome to church. For those of you who are here for the very first time, my name is Ron, and if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, I would love to meet you um, before you before you leave. So I'll hang out in the lobby afterwards, and please come up and introduce yourself. Uh, I hope you have a great time here this morning. Let me give you a couple things to do right now. If you take your program on the inside of your program, you'll find uh, a sheet of notes, fill in the blank style. would invite you to take those out. Um, New Life is a, it's a fun church, and one of the things that makes it such a fun church is no one comes here to be bored, that's for sure. So when you come here, um, you're going to learn. I'm going to give you a number of things that you can apply in your life this week, and we do that every single week. And so that's kind of why we take notes and fill in the blanks, and I want to encourage you, uh, after you fill in the blanks, to read through them at least once during this coming week. It will help you remember and apply uh, what we're going to talk about this morning. I have uh, two or three things that I want to go over with you by way of introduction. Um, it's great to be back. Last weekend, Monica and I were at Weekend to Remember. You'd be happy to know we've decided to stay married. <laughs> Actually, we had a great time at Weekend to Remember. And uh, those of you who have never been to one, um, uh, boy, next year when it comes around, what a great investment to make in your marriage. We had so much fun at Weekend to Remember and then um, ended up going up uh, by the Oregon border to do a memorial service for a friend of mine. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, but um, um, a wonderful Christian brother and uh, it was great to be with him and his family. And as well, we drove up the 101, which is a beautiful, beautiful highway. I'm not sure I've ever driven up that far north on that road since I was a small kid. And we ended up uh, taking a beautiful scenic drive, which is a little detour off the 101 up there, and uh, it it was just a spectacular weekend. So it's great to go and great to be back. And uh, so I have a couple of other things I want to call your attention to. And so on the inside of your program, if you pull out something that looks like this, okay, talks about a mayor's prayer breakfast. And one of the things that uh, we firmly believe at New Life is that the church should bless its community. And uh, so we work very hard and, and hold it as a very high value to bless the community. In fact, when I, when I first came to Petaluma, and I certainly don't mean this as any sort of indictment on any other church, it's more just a statement of fact. I sat down with a couple of the city council members and began to share with them that I had come to Petaluma to start a church and that eventually, God willing, uh, the church would buy property and we would build a sort of community center that would be a multi-purpose use facility. And they looked at me and they said, that's going to cost millions. I said, yeah, you're right. Now we know it does, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they said, you would do that? You, you, you would spend that kind of money for your people? And I said, no. No offense to any of us, right? But I said, I would do that for the community. They said, You're going to let the community use the church building? I said, sure. That's why we would build it. 
And I'll never forget the, the next thing they said to me. They said, we've never heard of a church that did anything except for its own people. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Wow. And I'm just so blessed that we get to be part of a church that wants to actually bless its community. So one of the things that we do is we sponsor a mayor's prayer breakfast. And I tell you how much I believed in this. I believe in this. In the last week, I have made over 100 personal telephone calls to community leaders in this community, inviting them to come. It's a fun thing. And so I called them, obviously called the mayor, called all the city council members, called all the department heads of the city. I've called the executive directors of virtually every nonprofit organization in our community. I've called the principal of virtually every school in our community, from elementary schools, junior high schools, high schools, private schools, public schools, um, and called all these people and invited them to come because the mayor's prayer breakfast is our opportunity to say to the people who work really hard to make our community a great place to live and to work, it's our opportunity to say thank you to them for all they do. And then to pray God's blessing on them as they work and serve our community. So, um, I, I want you, if you can, I know if you have small kids it can be a little bit of a challenge, but if, if you can, to put May the, what is it, May the 7th on your calendar and come to the Boys and Girls Club on Maria Drive. It's only one hour, but boy, it makes a huge impression on the people of our community to bless them. Okay? So, great thing to do. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the great adventure. You see the front page of the, of the nutshell talks about the great adventure. Largest project this church has ever attempted. Okay? I can tell you that uh, over 200 of you have already volunteered to be part of that project. And we have 13 teams of people already lined up. And uh, next Sunday, I'm going to break that out for all of us. And uh, it's just going to be, uh, I'm so excited. I almost want to preach next week's sermon this morning. But we'll wait. We'll do that next week. All right? But uh, a whole lot of fun. So mark that on your calendar. You're certainly not going to want to miss that. I want you to take a look at a slide. Take a look at, the, at a picture that, that we're going to project up here. Anybody know where that is? I mean, it's in the book of Acts. Break bread in your homes and eat together with glad and sincere hearts. That comes from the very passage that I'm going to be speaking to you about this morning and that Kevin spoke to you about a week ago. That happens to be on the wall of the new Rayleigh store right here in town. That's kind of cool. I snapped that with my cell phone, all right? It's like, hey, look at this. Got a Bible verse up on the grocery store wall. So, you know, it was nice of God to have them open Rayleigh's on this weekend, don't you think? Just so we could do that. How fun. So uh, one of the great things uh, that I did last week was I pulled up the podcast just to make sure Kevin was teaching you the truth, right? No, not really. I wanted to hear what he had to say. And uh, he not only taught you the truth, he set the table well for what we're going to talk about this morning. And, and there's some key understandings that I know you came away with last week. So I want to review this morning and maybe amplify them a little bit. So let's go right to your notes, the key understandings. And here's the very first one. And that is we are the church. I know sometimes we talk about 
let's go to church. Or let's have church. Well, guess what? We are the church. So wherever we go, that's where the church is. And there's more to that concept than that than might first just kind of sink in. You might want to write this down. Okay? Because if church is a place that you go to, it will never, ever change your life. Your life never changes until you decide to become the church. Now, all of us have gone through that process where someone invited us to go to church with them and we went to church with them. But when we went to church that first Sunday morning, we didn't actually feel a part of that church and we didn't become part of that church. We kind of went and visited that church. Church was something we went to. Now, the sad reality is you and I have friends who have gone to church for years, but have never become the church. In fact, for many of them, church is something they have to go to. You ever have your friends say that? Eh, it's Sunday morning, I yeah, got to go. If I don't go, my grandma, you know, she'll be all over me. So they go, do their religious obligation, sit and endure a church service that they're obviously bored with. It's not going to do anything in their life. And they get up and they go home and they say, thank God that's over. And that's not going to change anybody's life. But when you decide, no, I want to become the church. Well, that's going to be my identity. I'm going to take that identity on and I'm going to become part of that community of believers and we're going to share life together. Then really life-changing things happen. So that's the first reality. We are the church. The second thing is this. The church is a community of people united around faith in Jesus as the Savior of all people and devotion to His cause on this earth. Now, there are three words that are underlined there, and and I'm just going to isolate those three words and talk about them for just a minute. The first thing is that you need to realize the church is a community. Now, community is simply a group of people who have something in common. There's all kinds of communities in our world, okay? You, you know, I could join a German community because I have mostly German blood. And what we would share in common is we have German heritage. I could join a golfer's community because what we have in common is we like to hit a little white ball and then run after it, okay? Some of us hit it straight. Some of us don't hit it so straight. But we could still be part of the same community because we share the activity of golf. If you stop and think about it, think about how many different communities there are out there. You, you have a community on your street, people, that all you share in common is the fact that your address has the same street on it. Well, that's what a community is. Now, this is a community of faith. So let's talk about the word faith and what that means. What we share in common is not just any kind of faith, but we share an actual faith or belief in a life-changing fundamental principle, and that principle is this, that Jesus 
was not just a human being, but that he was more than a human being, and that he came from heaven as God's son, that he was God in the flesh, that he gave his life to pay the penalty and, and to accept the punishment for your sins and mine, and that because of that, we can be forgiven eternally and invited to live forever with God. Now, if you stop and think about that, that's either so far out there, it's science fiction, or if it's true, it changes everything about life. In this particular community, we see great evidence for everything I just said to you. We see great evidence for that to be true. So much evidence that we have decided to align our lives with that. And that leads us to the third word, and that's the word devotion. Once I come to understand that God who gave me life, who created this world, God who who has given life to all, once I come to understand that He actually loves me and desires to share life with me forever, I realize that's a cause worthy of giving my life to. So I become devoted to His cause and His kingdom around the world. Because I want other people to taste in this life what I've been blessed to taste. And to experience in this life what I've been blessed to experience. For as my life has been changed, I realize theirs can be too. So... We're talking about taking the journey of life together as a community. So let's go back and read that core scripture. It goes like this. And all the believers met together in one place. Now, if you want to do a fun thing in this passage, every word that kind of talks about all or one or together or in common, just underline them and see how much in this passage God talks about this being a community or together. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What a fantastic summary of what the church is supposed to be. And Kevin covered the first two-thirds to three-quarters of that, and I've got the last quarter to cover this morning. That ought to tell you something about how... Never mind. All right. We'll just move right over that, and uh, let's talk about the word together. All right? Four words I want to lift out of the last part of this. And the first is the word together. And what I want you to notice is they took the journey of life together. Now, on the front of your... Of your um, program, or certainly at the top of your notes, it says community taking the journey together. If you want to put one of those little carrots in there and put after journey, put of life, because that's the real point. You see, in this church, in this community of faith, we do more than share a Sunday morning together once a week. 
We even do more than sharing together in our life groups throughout the week. What we actually share is the journey of life together. So even this morning as we've gathered and we've greeted one another already, many of you have exchanged, um, well, this is what took place in my life. This is what's happening in my world. Many of you asked me, you know, how are you doing with the death of your friend? We missed you last week. Why? Because it isn't just a Sunday thing. It's the journey of life that we take together. And in fact, oftentimes we talk about the church as our second family. These are the people that we share the most important parts of life with because of this wonderful sense of community. Now, at my friend's memorial last weekend, I shared an old statement that I want to share with you this morning because it so well covers the topic of community. There's an old saying that goes like this, a shared sorrow is half a sorrow. If you stop and think about that, there's a lot of wisdom in that. If you try to carry a sorrow all on your own, it gets heavy, heavy, heavy. But if you're willing to share that sorrow with people and you're willing to allow people to come alongside you, it's amazing how that sorrow gets divided and parceled out. And even though you might be the person at the core of that sorrow, the fact that other people are in that journey with you somehow lightens that load. Which is why when we receive bad news, somehow we want our closest friends and family to be near to us. Because a shared sorrow is half a sorrow. But if that's all of the statement that you get, you only got half of it. Because the flip side of that is equally true, and that is a shared joy is twice the joy. You ever receive really good news and there's no one to share it with? It's like, you know? And it's just a bunch of strangers around and there's nothing you can do. And then, you know, or I've been in the car and, and I remember one time I was driving in the car and I saw a rainbow like I've never seen before. I have no idea how it took place. But, you know, usually you've got a rainbow. And then if it's a really intense one, you'll see a second rainbow that, that's the, a little faded but, but still there. I have no idea how it happened, but there was like six of those. And it was in the car by myself. Does that stink or what? Yeah. I, I wanted to stop and flag cars over and say, Look, I don't even know you, but I want to share that with somebody. Because the shared joy is actually twice the joy. So if you're looking for a way to cut your sorrows in half and to have twice as much joy in life, Guess what? That's why you become part of a community. And that's what the early church, this church we're reading about in the book of Acts, that's what they had. That's what makes this church such a fun church to belong to because we're learning how to take the journey of life together and, and, and we're dividing our sorrows and multiplying our joys. And it's a fun, fun experience. Now the Second word in this passage is the word generosity. It's such a wonderful word, especially when other people have it toward us, right? You don't want to laugh real loud because you'll sound selfish, right? 
But it is so true. Generosity. And I put after that, they embraced a culture of generosity. And I want to pull over to the side of the road just a minute and talk with you about this. Because very, very, very seldom do you run into anyone who doesn't describe themselves, I'm generous. I took the shirts I didn't want anymore and gave them to the goodwill. That's generous, isn't it? Well, might be more generous if you gave some shirts you did want to the goodwill. We can get so easily confused between doing a generous thing periodically and embracing a culture of generosity. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a way right now to look into your own life, but I warn you before I give it to you that most of us will not pass this test very well. But it's a great test for us. Okay? Do you exercise more care about the money you spend on yourself or the money you give away? Think about this. You're driving down the road and you see a need. Okay? Could be a person with a cardboard sign. By the way, I really enjoyed Kevin's story last week about Marlene. If you weren't here, you got to pull it up on the podcast and listen to it, all right? Could be someone with a cardboard sign, and the first thing that goes through your mind is, you know, I'd like to buy that for them. You know, I'd like to give some money to them, but you know, I've heard that about 80 to 85% of the money you give to people like that goes straight to alcohol or drugs. So that would not be a good use of my money. I will not waste my money on them. While you pull into Starbucks and buy a $5 coffee for yourself. And you think nothing of it. Now, I'm not an anti-Starbucks guy, all right? I'm just amazed at how quickly and easily we will lavish money on ourselves on actually fairly meaningless things, and we never consider it wasted. But when we go to give something away, all of a sudden, we want to become stewards. I told you up front, that's a hard pass to, uh, test to pass, right? But you know, as God began to speak to me about that this week in my own life, I realized, boy, the culture of generosity says that when I give something away, I'm far less particular about that than when I spend it on myself. And when I become less concerned about what other people do with what I give to them than I am concerned about what I spend on myself, I have finally made it to a culture of generosity. Wow. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. On the inside of your nutshell, you don't have to pick it up and look at it right now, but on the inside of your nutshell is a ministry that I think is just great, that's just beginning in this church, and it actually started with two ladies in the church who called the church office just hours apart, having never talked to each other about it. 
It was just something God was doing in both of their lives. And they picked up the phone. They called the church and said, hey, I've got this wild idea that I would love to run by the church and see if we can't do this. But I would love to start a clothing exchange at the church. And it's for, you know, for uh, families with small children. Let's begin there. And, uh, you know, women have maternity clothes when they don't plan to get pregnant anymore. And what are they going to do with those? And other women are just getting pregnant. And if you've been around this church for a while, you know that happens all the time, right? Yeah. Okay? And kids grow out of stuff long before they wear out. And other people are having kids that are just coming into that size. What if we started a clothing exchange in the church where people could come and bring those clothes and they could be washed and neatly pressed and folded and made ready for the next people? And then people who need those could just come and take what they need. And when they're done with it, bring it back. We'll wash it, press it, fold it, get it all ready for the next group of, of people. And so we're starting that ministry in the church. What a great thing. It, it's the beginning of a, of a culture of generosity. <clears throat> or the people just two weeks ago who invested a week, most of them taking vacation time from work and headed to Mexico and built a house for, for a family down there. If you saw the picture of it, that lady's face just lit up. She has a place for her family now to live. A culture of generosity. just want to challenge. I want to call us to that. I want to inspire us to begin to cultivate in our own lives this culture of generosity because it's what makes the community of faith around Jesus such a wonderful inspiration to the community. Let's talk about the third thing, because what I just talked to you about is very, very key to number three, and that is the sense of goodwill. I wrote down, a spirit of goodwill surrounded them. It was goodwill toward each other, but it was also goodwill from people outside the church toward people inside the church. There's an old saying that my mom used to say to me, Son, it's far easier to draw flies with sugar than it is with vinegar. And she usually said that to me when I was doing something that was far more vinegar-like than sugar-like. Yeah. I'm amazed. You know, many of us grew up in churches that were more vinegar than sugar, right? They were more known for condemning things than actually promoting things and for condemning people who did certain things than for reaching out in love to those people and trying to help them learn how not to do those things. It's, it's very easy for churches to fall into this us and them mentality. We are the saved. They are the unsaved. We are the righteous. They are the unrighteous. We are the godly. They are the ungodly. We are those who have eternal life. They don't have that. And when churches promote that sort of attitude, that's very vinegar-like. And there's no sense of goodwill. I want you to go back and reflect on the statement that I gave you at the very beginning as I spoke to you. When, when, when the two council members I was visiting with said to me, we've never heard of a church who did anything except for whom? Its own people. Was that vinegar-like or sugar-like? What do you think? That's straight vinegar right there. 
Yeah. So from the people outside the church, there was no sense of goodwill toward the church. How sad. Now, the passage I read to you, our core teaching said, that there was this sense of goodwill that was in the community toward the church. Now, I'm very happy to tell you that New Life has a wonderful reputation out in the community. And I regularly get calls from community leaders who want to take me to lunch. And and what they say to me is, I hear nothing but good about what you're doing in that church. And I I want to get together with you. And I want to hear in person what you're doing. I think that's absolutely wonderful. It's the church being a blessing to the community. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. But oftentimes Christians will say to me, how can you experience goodwill in the community when you have a message that's difficult to receive? Now that begs the question, what message are you sharing? Because to me, I can't find anything too negative about the fact that forgiveness can be found in Jesus. Does forgiveness sound like a negative message? It's actually a pretty positive message, although it's amazing how sometimes we can make it pretty negative. I want you to think with me for just a minute. The church that that I read to you about in Scripture, which was the very, very first church that started just a few days after Jesus died and was resurrected, what was their basic message? Well, their basic message was this. You know that guy that you guys just crucified and laughed at and spit on and made fun of? Well, guess what? He was your Messiah and the Son of God. How would you like to deliver that message? That's a pretty tough sell, don't you think? And yet, in spite of delivering that message, they experienced the goodwill of the people. How did they do that? Well, that goes back to what we just talked about. That wonderful spirit of generosity. That sense of goodwill. They did not share that with people from the standpoint, remember when you were a kid you used to go, shame on you. You are in such trouble. You know what you just did. I'm going to tell mom on you. You know, there's a lot of churches that that's their message. Shame on you. You know what you just did? I'm going to go tell God on you and you are going to burn. Now, you want to come to church? Yeah, sure. Sign me up. Yeah, who would want that? But you know what this church did? This church didn't say, you guys are in so much trouble. That guy you just laughed at and killed and made fun of and crucified. He was your Messiah. Man, are you in trouble. They said to them, we have a message. And I'm so sorry that this is what took place. But you know that guy? The guy that we all said, yeah, crucify him, crucify him. Yeah, I was part of that crowd too. And you know what I've come to realize? He was the best thing that ever happened in this world. And you know what's even more amazing? Is that He offers forgiveness to us. I've experienced that forgiveness. It's changed my life. And I so hope that you can experience that forgiveness too. Wow, 
No wonder they experienced the goodwill of the people. For they put the message in a package of compassion and love and generosity. There's one more word. And that's the word added. Their circle, the circle of their community, expanded. In fact, it mushroomed. The very first day that that the church doors opened, 3,000 people became Christians. And in just a chapter later, the number of believers came to be about 5,000 of just the men, not counting the women and the children. And then the next two chapters later, it says, the number of believers multiplied. Wow, they had this very fast, expanding circle of community. Well, how did that happen? Well, three things happened. Number one, they expanded their circle of service. You know, we live in a world that it's pretty easy for us to serve ourselves, correct? We all love to do that. We serve ourselves and we serve our family. We serve our closest friends. And, and, and that's kind of as far as it gets. Well, one of the things that, that this early church did and that God was saying was expand your circle of service. Think outside yourself. Think outside your family. Think outside your closest friends and think ministry. Learn how to serve people right in the church you've never met before. What a concept. Expanding the circle of service. And they did that. The second thing that they did is they expanded their circle of influence. And and once they got used to thinking outside of themselves and their own little circle of family and friends and actually began to minister, then God said, now I want to expand that circle even more. I want you to think outside the church and out into the community. Expand the circle of influence of this community. And so they did. They went out into the streets and they began to expand that circle of influence. And then guess what happens? A third thing, which is actually the, the what should I say, the counterpart is this, that their circle of community expanded. Why? Because when you take a group of people who live outside of themselves and bless others, and they bless people outside their family, and then they bless people outside the church, then all of a sudden people in the community go, this is so the opposite of the way the world usually is. See if you can finish this statement for me. We live in a dog-eat... What's the rest of it? Oh, you've heard that, huh? Does that sound like community? No. No. It's the opposite of community. And yet that's the reality of the world in which we live. And when there's a group of people that dares to flow against that current, and instead of being dog-eat-dog people, they are dog-bless-dog people. And they embrace this culture of generosity toward all people. And wherever they go, they bring blessing, and they bring life And they bring a wonderful sense of compassion. And they bring a sense of caring and concern. I'll tell you what. The world is attracted to that. Everybody likes that. It's so refreshing. So what happened? People started flowing into the church. 
because they were seeing something that they had never seen or experienced before in life. It is the church, not just the place you go to, it was the church actually being the church. And not just being the church to each other, it was the church being the church to the community and to the world. Let me give you a couple of closing thoughts. First one is this. This is New Life's mission statement. I want you to see how it ties in. New Life exists to connect people to God and others, develop them as followers of Christ, and move them into lifestyles of service. If you hang around church at all, you're going to hear those three words that you have underlined, connect, develop, and serve. Because they are the heartbeat of this community of believers. Let me break this out for you in simpler terms. Connect means we're taking the journey of life together. Which is why we all the time, this might be the only church you come to where pretty much everybody hugs you. And, and uh, you know, if you hang out with a pastor, I know you're going to get hugged, all right? That's just how it works. Why? Because we're excited to take the journey of life together. I could shake your hand and hold you out here, or I could open my arms to you and bring you into my life. I want to bring you into my life. Because I don't want to just shake your hand and say, nice, nice seeing you. I hope you come back next Sunday. I want to take the journey of life with you. Because the journey of life is a great thing to share. So that to connecting with each other and with God, that's the whole connect thing. Now, secondly, let's take a look at develop. Learning to become generous. Can I tell you that flows against the spirit of, of, of our human nature? Sure it does. No one is born generous. There's no child that's born that the first word that they learn, you know, the first sentence they put together is, Mother, may I please help you? No. Long before children can say whole sentences, they learn, Mine. Bite. By that they mean, I want you to feed me. Right? Yeah, all that stuff. We're born with that nature. So learning learning that culture of generosity, that's something we have to learn. It's, it's part of developing as a follower of Christ who was generous at all points in his life. And let's take a look at serve. Serve is investing our lives in service to our community and our world. And like we said before, that also flows against the natural bent of of our human nature. So why would we do these? Why would we do these things? For these two reasons. Take a look. Number one has to do with goodwill. It's so that the name and the people of Jesus will be well spoken of. Now, I'm, I'm going to break out a little Christianese for you. Okay, Those of you who have hung around Christians, you have heard Christians say and you've heard Christians pray, Oh Lord, Help everything we do today to be done for your glory. And you probably went, huh? What's that mean? Yeah, it sounds good. You know what it means? It means exactly that. So that the name and the people of Jesus will be well spoken of. By whom? By people here and by people in the community. And then the second reason we do it is to add. So that more people 
will get to experience the life change and the eternal destiny that only Jesus can bring. You know, when you stop and think about it, church is a pretty simple deal, isn't it? It's not that complicated. It's about coming to God and saying, God, look at me. I need some help. Okay? (laughs) Sometimes I do things I don't want to do, and they're not very good. And they make me feel guilty, and I don't like that guilty feeling. God, is there anything you can do about that? And he said, not only is there something I can do, I already did it. I gave my one and only son so that you could be forgiven. And you could have that slate wiped clean. And, 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 and you could be completely innocent in my eyes. Totally forgiven. Wow, God. Thank you. I accept that into my life. And now that my life has changed and now that I feel so much better, wow, now I no longer have to be this dog-eat-dog kind of person that's in competition with everyone around me. Now I can learn to have this culture of generosity and blessing and I can have this wonderful sense of investing my life and blessing other people and doing it in the name of Jesus who forgave me. And that's church. Everything else is just decoration. That's the basic message of God. As a pastor, as someone who's experienced that in his own life, it's my wonderful privilege to be able to extend to you that opportunity. Many of you I don't know. Many of you I don't know if you've ever made that choice in life. If you've ever said, you know, God, that makes sense to me. I would love to get in on your deal. Well, I want to offer that to you this morning. I'm going to pray and then On the card, there's a place for you to check. I want to know more about becoming a Christian or have decided. I can't remember the exact terminology or or a follower of Christ. Whatever it says, check it on the card, and we'd love to sit down with you and help you make that choice. But right now, would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for the so inspiring message that you give us. That we, imperfect human beings, as Bob pointed out earlier, who oftentimes rub each other the wrong way and say things and do things that that are hurtful, that somehow in the moment we feel like we would get more joy if we said or did that. And then once we reflect on it, we, we realize, my goodness, that was not very good, not very kind. And we end up with just this terrible feeling on the inside. So, Father, we just come with all that baggage and say, Would you take it? Would you wipe the slate clean? Would you empty the bags? Would you help us to travel light and lightly through life? Would you help us to be conveyors of joy and blessing and goodness? So, Lord, we make that choice today to give our lives to you. For those of us who made that choice before, God, we we reaffirm that choice. And for those who have never made it, God, we make it now. We thank you for it. Would you help us to live with that wonderful spirit of generosity that we get from your son? For we pray in his name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.